You're listening to ASD Warrior, a podcast about the journey of getting your PhD in your child on the spectrum. With over a decade of success and challenges, it's time to share and support all of you ASD Warriors. Hosted by your always passionate and wildly intense ASD Warrior teacher, child advocate, and mom, Kathy Galbraith Willoughby. On this episode of ASD Warrior, we're going to talk about potty training, strategies, ways to get there, and eventually we'll talk about the poop circle. Don't go away. Don't want to miss this. Oh, potty training. You know, it's not an easy thing when you have your neurotypical children. Um, certainly they go at their own pace, but you've got kind of a time frame, right? That they kind of get into that space and they want to do it. And, you know, yeah, you put little things out like maybe your reward system, but nothing like a child on the spectrum. Obviously, we have two older children and um, we did it at the you know, neurotypical time, I think two and a half to three years old, both my daughter and my son, you know, potty trained. And, you know, it was um, a little bit later for my son, which they say was kind of normal because maybe they, you know, mature later. Like, yeah, it's great. Fine. Whatever. No big deal. So then, you know, of course we have our bonus child and he is on the spectrum and um, along with your whole life changing at the diagnosis, which he was about two and a half, almost three. And, you know, you kind of start putting it all together. There's big signs. That's why you go to the doctor. That's why you go to the neurologist. That's why you go to the psychiatrist. And and you finally get the diagnosis. And one of those things that's kind of in the background is potty training, right? And so at first we're kind of like, yeah, we're not going to tackle that. And then it gets to the point where he's, you know, about three, three and a half. And hey, let's try to start doing it. Well, I'm going to tell you that it was kind of a hit and miss that eventually turned into what we thought we were progressing on. And then it was kind of an epic fail. And we're like, we need to back off of this because, you know, now we're in the the thick of him going to school at a school program for half day, ABA at night, speech therapists, you know, occupational, physical play therapy, all those things were going on. It was like, okay, this is too much. Like, let's just, we'll take a breath. Right. And, and the school that he was at, because it was a program you know, uh, for kids on the spectrum and kids that have developmental delays, it wasn't as big a deal. Um, They know that most of the kids there were going to potty train late. And so it wasn't that big of an issue. So we kind of just played with it a little bit, weren't probably consistent. um, And then we got to that point where, okay, he's four and a half. We, We really need to start pushing this. And I think at that point, he was a little bit better prepared for it. And I think aware of it, right? Like we could really kind of talk about, you know, the pros and cons from a standpoint of, you know, you don't want to wet diaper anymore. You want to be a big boy, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the things that we do. So of course we got our ABA therapists involved because, you know, setting up structure, setting up discipline, um, also kind of creating some sort of visual awareness um, was really required. So one of the first things that we did was we created a story, a story about going to the potty and we put him in it. Um, And so we took pictures of every stage of walking in, you know, the pants, the washing the hands afterwards, everything in between, so that he was really able to start to develop a a concept, an idea 
of how that was going to look and play out. And, you know, we really did great on number one. Like he was really able to go. It wasn't that big of a deal. He kind of had fun. I mean, he's a boy. I'm not going to give you examples, but you know, it was like, Hey, this is fun. I'm like daddy and I'm like big brother. And so that was cool. But what really, really was hard was number two. And now that I know him better and can kind of understand what that meant to him sensory wise and control wise, um, was why he struggled with it so much. You know, it's the sensation. It's obviously a little bit more involved than going number one. He was used to standing up. I mean, think about that. They usually would stand up. So everything physical, what they knew and understood was now different, right? Going to the bathroom. So we had to up our game a little bit with, uh, with trying to get there with number two, for sure. Um, and it required at first, you know, M&Ms, goldfish. Yeah, still wasn't getting it. You know, it wasn't enough. And then we progressed to, you know, just some toys, you know, different things. Um, eventually, I want to give you the picture of what my bathroom looked like. We had jars in there. M&M's, goldfish, you know, it's it very colorful. And then if you pulled back the shower curtain, you had a plethora of toys from t- Target and Toys R Us at the time of, you know, let's, let's, you know, again, up our game. Let's get this like reward system down. Let's make it big. It's like Christmas in the bathroom. I mean, clearly going all out. We also had, you know, a pick chart that we put above the towel rack you know, that really depicted, you know, we tried to copy from a pictorial perspective what was in his book that he was starring. He was the star of the show in the picture book that we created. You know, all this in my bathroom, right? Like just, it's all about like, how do we get there with Nate? We eventually got a step that was close to the toilet because again, we're thinking he likes to stand up. So maybe he wants to feel something and not have his feet dangle again, getting into that sensory mode, right? We're getting exhausted by this whole process, you know, because the other piece of it is like all of us, our world is still spinning a lot, right? And we're trying to keep up with our other kids, um, you know, work and house and gosh, do we go to the gym? I mean, can we, um, you know, all these things are still happening. And so trying to to get, you know, him in a in a in underwear all day was sometimes a struggle too. like, oh, my God, I can't watch him, <laughs> you know, like uh, just put the pull up on. And so that was also, I think, a little bit of an issue was I couldn't, you know, walk around with him all day long and, you know. Make sure I got him to the bathroom on time, right? The other thing with with him about, you know, the standing up against sensory. He also didn't like anybody watching him. So he developed this kind of peculiar habit of going behind the curtain, you know, as if he has vanished, completely gone. He's not here. He's in his own place. So we noticed this was his preference, right? Even when we were at family occasions, friend's house, whatever, He'd find a curtain. It would be that I'm going to walk over there. Is no one looking at me? I'm in my own, you know, bathroom bubble. (laughs) I'm going to go hide behind the curtain throw it in front of my face. And I have vanished. No one knows I'm here and I have my own privacy. So 
we knew this was his behavior. So, of course, we got smarter. Right. And we would kind of start to see him go, OK, and go behind the curtain. And so, you know, Joel, who's been on a previous podcast, who was our lead therapist at the time, sitting down one night, I'm like, we got to figure this out. I like I know where he goes. So how do I start to move that? Right. How do I get him to go to the bathroom? So we came up with this idea of the poop circle. So to give you a visual, it was clearly just brown construction paper that we laminated. Right. And it would go on the ground and it was a pretty good size. You know, it was probably about, I don't know, a four inch radius. So an eight inch in diameter circle, right? Just on the ground. They can put their little feet on it. It wasn't much bigger than that. And what we tried to do was start associating that with behind the curtain, right? So our first thing was, okay, so yeah, you can go behind the curtain. Yeah, we know you're in your pull-up, whatever. Step on the poop circle. And so trying to get used to the feel on the bottom of the feet, standing on something, the visual, the circle, it being brown, and we are saying, it's okay, this is your space behind the curtain. Okay, so we did that for about a week, getting him used to it. Great, you know, saying it out loud. Oh, good job, you stepped on the poop circle. And you went to the bathroom. Awesome. Well, then it turned into, we're going to start moving the poop circle. And we think we are so smart, right? Like, oh, we've got this down. What we didn't realize in some of the early parts was it was really more the curtain. It was more, I am in my space. I've cut everything off. And think about that sensory processing. He has shut it down. It's not so much that he was hiding and needed privacy, which is where my head went. It was, he was shutting the rest of his senses off and kind of hiding himself, not looking visually anything at anything else, because for him, it was a very sensory thing. The way he felt, the control he needed to have in going number two which I think a lot of our kids are like that and we forget. And and sometimes we do put our own on it, right? Like, oh, they just want privacy. That's so sweet. And everybody wants privacy. Well, it's not really about privacy. It's really, I think in a lot of ways, my opinion about shutting everything off because it's a high sensory thing for them. So anyway, we don't know this at the time, which is why I'm sharing it with some of you might be helpful. So we start moving the poop circle and we think we are brilliant. I mean, you know, we're having that moment like, yeah, Joel and I killed this. And so we move it and a couple of times he does it, you know, and it's, and I'm sure if I would have taken note at the time of when we were successful in moving the poop circle and having success, um, it would have been when it was not noisy. There wasn't a lot going on, probably not a lot of overstimulation, which was hit and miss in our house when you've got two older kids and you've got dogs and I mean, you know, it's and a cat and it's just, it's all going on all the time. So we move it. We're getting inconsistent success. Certainly nothing that you could document on any sort of ABA behavioral chart that, you know, they track all the time in behaviors that we would have any sign of success. So we're kind of frustrated, like, okay, I've got a whole you know, toy department and candy shop in my bathroom. I have got pictures. I have got a pic chart. I have got a stair, you know, a little stool so he can touch it. We even tried one time for him to like stand up and do it. I mean, at this point, we're like, come on, let's let's get something working here, right? So 
we go to the neurologist because, and not because of that, but, you know, we finally got an appointment with a very renowned um, neurologist that was really in the um, spectrum space. And, um, you know, cause we were also like a lot of us do, you know, looking at medications, looking at vitamin supplements, you know, they don't eat well, that'll be a whole other podcast because we still fight with that. But, you know, so we went there not just for one particular reason, but for a majority of things. And, um, to talk about too, we were going to maybe get his brain, you know, the brain waves tested and do the MRI and all that kind of stuff. So we go there and of course, and he's a great doctor and he's worth the wait. And, um, he was, you know, so patient and, you know, act like he had five hours for us. And so he says at one point, he goes, you know, well, how's, how's potty training going? And, you know, my ex-husband and I look at each other and go, well, here's what we've done. He goes, okay. Okay. Now he knowing that, you know, a lot of this is control, right? You know, think about that. You have a little bit more control. Sometimes our kids hold it for longer. Sometimes, you know, again, they, they really struggle with the potty training. And if you think about it for a second, it's the control. I control this. I can wait and I will do it when I'm ready. So I know that now, but I didn't know it at the time because, you know, I'm in there you know, taking diligent notes of every single topic that, you know, we wanted to talk about. And clearly we had a list because we had waited so long to see him. And he goes, OK, he goes, well, tell me what you're doing. You know, go through the whole scenario. He goes, you know, what you might want to try is a laxative. And I'm like, what? Here's our problem going. Just just try it. He goes, because he won't have as much control. And it will kind of, in a way, get him to move faster. And maybe what we can do is establish a different behavior and that it's okay. I'm like, okay. You know, at first I'm like, okay, well, I mean, that's kind of aggressive. We're going to give him a laxative and then go, what's up, bud? You know, <laughs> and watching his face go, oh, you know, what's happening? But, you know, at this point, honestly, we're getting close to him being five. And um, we really, we're struggling, like I think a lot of us do. And, you know, sometimes what the teachers and, you know, we were in this, this program for kids on the spectrum from the time he was three till he was five. He had a teacher that said, you know what, I don't think he's ready for kindergarten. I don't know if he's ever be ready to be mainstreamed. You know, and you're getting, okay, stop with the gut punches. Okay, like, first of all, you must not see him. I don't know, you know, how you're, you're coming to this, but I don't believe in it. But the problem was, as a lot of us know, in going into a mainstream environment, they can't be in pull-ups. They can't be in pull-ups. So at least when we were making that decision. So it was pretty clear that this was kind of a big deal at this point, you know, and not that we hadn't thought that, but now it was really becoming something that we really seriously needed to make a decision on. So, you know, clearly the poop circle, we haven't given up on it, but we know it's so hit and miss that it's not really creating any consistency or really affecting behavior change because we literally would move the poop circle like all the way through the house on this, you know, invisible path to the bathroom. And we eventually got to the bathroom and put the poop circle in there and thought maybe the shower curtain could be the whoosh around him. It clearly never happened, but we were creative and we were thinking about that and it could help your kids. But um, so the deadline's coming, right? And we have, we have decided to pull him out of more of an SDC kindergarten because we went and observed it. And one of the things, and I think I've said this in other podcasts, 
and I will continue to say is that what is hard about that environment is if your child is is very sensory process, you know, affected, he he struggled. He was like in a, you know, uh, kind of overarching, you know, sensory nightmare in those classes where there was too much going on. I mean, you've got behavior issues, you've got kids crying, you've got kids screaming, you've got kids falling to the ground. And and partly they need that specialized care to get them you know, to the point of compliance and, you know, the, the maturity to develop. And sometimes they need that a little longer, but Nathan wasn't at that point anymore. And, and it was also then being so affected by other kids. That's where I struggled. I'm like, I, I don't know if this is the best environment. And so we decided we were going to pull him out and we were going to take him to a, um, a private uh, Christian pre-K. So we weren't going to start him in kindergarten yet because we were all kind of on the same page that maybe he needed one more year just to kind of mature. It wasn't that he wasn't smart. He was already reading at five. It wasn't really an academic thing. And that's sometimes what I think I struggle with people understanding autism. And, you know, they're not going to get in our autism bubble of understanding unless it sometimes more impacts them directly. But nonetheless, it's really sometimes not an academic thing. It's a sensory thing for him. And it was being able to focus long enough to learn. And that's where, you know, the juggling act would come. So anyways, we're like, I don't know, 30 days out before school starts. We've signed him up. We've committed. We're not doing the SDC. We're going to try this pre-K half days, you know, see if we can get him kind of in more of a mainstream environment and really kind of start picking apart some of the things that we would need to do or accommodate different things if he was to go to a mainstream kindergarten. Well, we had this big vacation coming, right? We're going to the Bahamas. We're going to be there for 12 days. We're super excited. So we've tried the laxative, right? It was this chocolate flavored laxative that we got over the counter for kids. And um, it worked. It really worked. Um, and it was fast, too. It was like three minutes and he's the eyes get big and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, of course. And when we're still at home, <laughs> we're trying to do the proof poop circle. So we're navigating that on the ground. Like, okay, okay, okay. You close, step on the poop circle, step on the poop circle, go in the bathroom, you know, put the poop circle like close to the bench that he puts his feet on while he sits on the toilet. You know, I mean, again, we're just pulling out all stops here. <laughs> like, what do we need to do? So we're still not there. We go on vacation and, you know, we're just kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but we bring the laxative. So here's the beautiful moment that we had. <laughs> And maybe he won't think so much later on, but it was clearly a moment. So we decided we get up one morning, you know, of course, like we did um, all the other days we were there on vacation, you know, we'd go to the water park, um, we'd go down the slides. He went to the kids area on the slides I and mean, we had the best time, Lazy River, you know, we were just, we were loving the Atlantis Resort. We were there um, for, you know, a good amount of time and we just really enjoyed our vacation, but always in the back of our mind, we're just like, gosh, you know, we've got this deadline coming. I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And you know, like I think a lot of us, we we learn to compartmentalize really well, you know, in trying to manage daily parts of our lives when we deal with the diagnosis and the kids on the spectrum and, and how do we stay ahead of it and how do we support and all that kind of good stuff. It's always there, right? It's always like this little bit of weight. It's just on our shoulders and you kind of learn to live there. So we're trying to enjoy our vacation. We're having fun with our other kids, with Nathan. I mean, we're just, we're having a good old time. So one time, you know, we get up in the morning and I know he hasn't gone to the bathroom. He didn't, hadn't gone yesterday. And I said, Looked at my ex-husband and I said, you know what, let's get the laxative out before we go to the pool. And he's looking at me like, all right, you know, cause we're like, what's it going to hurt? Right. Like 
How's this going to go down? So we give him the laxative and like he's sitting on the bed, right? And all of us are like in defense corral mode. Like I've got my two older kids. I'm like, go over there, go over there, go stand by the window. Do not let him go behind the curtain. Like this is not happening. We're going to block and tackle at this point. And all of a sudden it starts working. And he's looking like panicking, looking. And we're, um, we're kind of going, oh gosh, oh gosh. You know, again, we're like, like in defense mode, you know, it's like zone defense on the basketball court. Right. And we've got this open path to the bathroom. Well, he can't control it. Like he's not in control anymore. And so, but we're also in this block and tackle mode, trying to be really calm because we know if we overreact, he's going to panic and he doesn't have a pull up on. And he's very aware he doesn't have a pull up on. So he asks to have one. We're like, I'm sorry, we don't have any. They're all gone. And he's looking at us and we very calmly said, do you want to go try the bathroom? Let's see. So he's at this point, he's like running, right? (laughs) He's like, can't get to a window, can't get to a curtain. He is like bulleting around the corner into the bathroom, sits on the toilet. Hallelujah. We finally have success. And can I tell you, we never had an issue again. Of course, you can say it was all the work up to that point. We hope that it was maybe some of the poop circle, because let's be honest, that was flipping creative. You know, I mean, we were really being strategic. Joel was on point when he came up with that. It was like pure brilliance. I mean, we were proud of ourselves on the couch that night. But really what it came down to and is so reflective of our kids is that it was sensory and control. Sensory and control. So let's think about that. First of all, the sensory was he could not focus on anything else because it was coming fast. So whether we were aware of it at the time or that he was even aware of it, he was able to focus on the matter at hand. (laughs) There was nothing else he could do. It was a way for him to just get through it, right? And the control piece, I kind of took it away from him. He couldn't control it. It was happening and it was happening fast. So in a very quick, maybe slightly aggressive way, we made it okay. We gave him a moment where, unbeknownst to him, sensory wasn't that big of a deal because he was able to block it out because of the urgency of the situation. And he had no more control, nor did he need it. We kept calm in the situation. You know, we did our hallelujah and jumping up and down afterwards. But in that moment, my kids knew we're not going to look at him. We're not going to overstimulate him. We're going to kind of be like, why don't you try the bathroom? Hmm. And not look at him, not take anything sensory away from him. Right. And his ability to focus and cope. So it is kind of that process, right? So you have a situation, you have a catalyst. It's how you react in the catalyst. We're not going to jump up and down when he's on the toilet or anything like that. We're going to let him have his moment. We're going to let him create that imagery, that that success, that comfort that only he's going to be able to do in his head for future to be able to do it on his own. And that was it. We were done. Now, 
I was a little nervous when he started school because, you know, at that point it was two weeks before school. I hadn't had much success. And, you know, they're asking me, so is he fully potty trained? I'm like, yes, of course. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, please, please, please just get through the day. It's only a half day. And he never had an accident in school. So for whatever reason, if it was everything, if it was one thing, and sometimes it takes everything. It's really important that you understand the whys behind what they're doing. And sometimes take your personal perspective out of it. Like for me, it was he wants privacy behind the curtain. No, he's shutting everything off because it's such a big thing for him to control it, to be focused. He didn't want noises, sound, you know, lights, all that kind of stuff. That's why he went behind the curtain to me. I'm like, oh, isn't that cute? He just wants privacy like the rest of us. Well, I mean, I wasn't able to ask him. I'm just inferring it now because I know him and I know what he needs to do to sometimes accomplish something that is hard. And what I need to do to surround him with creating a new success story for himself. And they really are success stories. And it starts with them in their head seeing and believing it. And, and, and again, not to digress a little bit, but I think it's important. They have a hard time. At least a lot of the kids that I have talked to and am known, and especially my son of creating imagery, pictures, thoughts, ideas from auditory. So think about that all the time. We created the storybook. We had the pics. We had a reward system. I don't know if the reward system was as important to them. I mean, of course, they were like, hey, I get M&Ms. But it was all that process of trying to make it successful for them. But what it really came down to was giving them a moment of this is you okay in this situation. Not creating, you know, any other noises and giving them that space bubble that they need to create their own image of success. And then it was his. And we really honestly, no joke, had no other issues with him ever. So maybe it was because he was five years old and that's when he was potty trained. And that I hear is similar to a lot. I, I worry a little bit about some of the people that I see on some of the groups I'm on Facebook with of, you know, they're three and a half and they're panicked. I'm like, let it go. I mean, it is just, I think it's such a, a big thing that we try to mirror on a timeline with neurotypical kids. And it's such a sensory control thing for them. And it's just, as maturity happens, I think it makes it easier. And how your child matures and learns to cope is their own journey. And that is something that you've got to really notice, play with, um, figure out along the way with them. And um, that's where, you know, we get back to having a PhD in your kid because You have to know what affects them, what they need, um, you know, what kind of imagery do they need to understand things and, um, you know, making sure when they're going through really tough things that you're not adding to it. You're not being stressed. You're not being overly happy. You know, I know you want to be happy and you want to sometimes be frustrated, but they feel everything probably a hundred times more than your other kids and other people. And just understanding that to give them space to develop their own process to develop their own sense of control and comfort um, and learning to manage the sensory overload that is in sometimes everyday things. It's 
Toolbox Time on ASD Warrior. So for this ASD Toolbox, we're going to talk about a process. Looking at the sensory impact, if they're already having some patterns to when they're going to the bathroom, do they go someplace? For you as a parent to look at their process, not yours. How they change, control their environment to accommodate their outcome, right? What are they doing? Are they hiding somewhere? Are they going to a certain room? Is it the quiet room in your house? Really being observant of what is already there. What is their process? Like for us, it was behind the curtain, trying to establish a connection of the poop circle, the poop circle all around. Was it the ultimate success? No. But was it maybe a part of it? Certainly. We don't know to what degree, but it's getting also people involved in identifying and understanding, breaking down their process that exists right now, and then creating something. That's the challenge, creating something that is in response to what is inhibiting them and what they need. Going behind the curtain was turning everything off in the house. It was giving them not privacy, but control. It was shutting out everything else, the lights, the sounds, the dogs running around, the cat, you know, making dinner, clanking in the kitchen. In a way, it was a way to just shut the world down so that they could have their moment, control their sensory. And obviously, in some kids, it's a big deal, right? They feel it so much. I mean, think about sometimes their issues with food and how much they feel in their mouth. You know, their sensory is not just noises and outside influences, but internal. And really understanding that, coming up with the plan, getting your people involved, your neurologist, your psychiatrist, your behavioral therapist, and try things. Make it fun. Yes. Be disciplined in your approach and how you do things with your intention of creating a safe place, a safe space for them to really adapt, change, understand, be comfortable and establish their own level of control. Now, again, they always seek control and putting all those things in place, trying to document what's successful, trying to document what it wasn't. And then taking a step back and looking at it as was the house crazy? Did we have a lot of things going on? We were at an event. And here's the last thing that I want to add to this ASD toolbox. People on our outside of our family, our closest friends are not going to understand this. We understand this. They like look and they make judgment. And a lot of our parents are like, wow, they should already be potty trained what's going on. As if to say, you know, we're doing something wrong. We're not doing something wrong. It takes more. But once you figure it out, it's kind of like it's done, right? At least it was for me. So figuring that thing out, how to create an environment that's safe, that they're in control, and taking, you know, opportunities when you can and go on vacation and maybe try a laxative. No, I'm not suggesting that. <laughs> um, I would never, but it was certainly something our neurologist told us. But, you know, get everybody involved, take some chances, try different things, but all the time documenting. Because, again, those are things that for forever in leading this journey for your kids on the spectrum are a part of how they learn, how they think and how they grow. And everything that you write down about where, where they struggle, what they struggled with, is all about how we lead and help them manage what they need a little bit more help on. And once we do, it just makes everything so much easier. So until next time, 
God bless and good luck. Thank you for listening to ASD Warrior. For more information and resources, please connect with us at asdwarrior.com. Subscribe and become a member of the ASD Warrior Village. Together, we can do more.